welcome to Raw the Podcast with Emma and Amy, where we talk real and raw with mamas who have had to fight and be fierce, who have been thrown curveballs and faced adversity. We discuss everything from premature birth and NICU life to special needs and infant loss. Nothing is off topic. We hope that by opening up and being vulnerable, we can break down the walls and start to remove some of the shame and stigma associated with these traumatic experiences while helping other mamas feel less alone. I'm Emma, a rural living mum to two preemie and medically complex girls, Hazel Earthside and our warrior Willow up in the stars. And I'm Amy, special needs and medical mama to preemie boys James and Jack and a fierce advocate for the preemie and special needs community. We don't share your average mama stories and this isn't your average podcast. Raw is unrefined and breaks through the bullshit of navigating guilt, grief and trauma. I mean, let's be honest, we've been through more shit than some could ever imagine. So at this point, we don't really have a filter. But with this being said, please note, we do talk about sensitive topics in our episodes, which we know can be distressing. We give this warning simply to empower you, our audience, with the knowledge you need to make healthy decisions about how and if you should consume this podcast content. Please take care of yourselves and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. And lastly, let us assure you that it's not all bad and sad. Above all, we hope to shine a light on the life-changing perspective and appreciation that only these experiences can give you. We share the overwhelming joys and triumphs that our little miracles, both here and in heaven, bring to our lives. And we discuss the inspiration and hope we have gained from this community. While our experiences are individually unique, we are forever a part of something truly special. A community of fierce mama bears and their cubs navigating the storm. And together we'll roar. Welcome back everyone to another episode of Roar the podcast. We are so excited. We are sitting here chatting to one of our best super mamas, Hayley. Welcome. Hi Hayley. Thank you ladies. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have a general chit chat. We've already been chatting for the last 10 minutes and we learned oh we should probably hit record hey yeah (laughs) hit record before we're here all night absolutely yeah um so Hayley how do we know Hayley I'll start um Hayley and I have sort of connected over our shared experiences I think is the best way to put it we've both well my Jack and her girl Pippa who you'll hear a little bit more about in this episode have some similar stuff going on, similar medical complexities and diagnoses. Um, and Haley actually popped into my inbox on Instagram, as we all do when we meet people online. Um, I think it was about a couple of years ago now. I reckon it was around this time in 2020 yeah. that we connected. And yeah, then, I was going to say, it's definitely been a long time. Uh, yeah, and then it was, I reckon, June 2020 that Jack was admitted um, into hospital for a two-week tune-up of his chest and Haley and I that's when we met in person we literally swapped over hospital rooms so <laughs> Jack was discharged at the end of his admission and Pippa was admitted and I think did you go into the exact same room Haley, from memory? I think we were close I remember well you tried to because it was a beautiful room <laughs> I was, it was huge and I remember bringing you coffee and the kids had yeah. started to play and then the nurse came in and goes, you can't be in here, you have to go have a COVID test before we admit you and I was like, oh my gosh, sorry, <laughs> off we yeah. went. So it was really brief, wasn't it? Fun police. <laughs> yeah, it was very brief but I just remember having having a like five-minute chat with you and going, oh yeah, she's my pe- my person, yeah, you're... um." 
Yeah. I just remember thinking, yeah, she's, yeah, real and honest. And, yeah, I think because we'd been through such similar stuff, we just hit it off and I absolutely adore Pippa. I think she's the most adorable, yeah, she's happy a bit little of a fan club wherever we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I definitely fell to in love. To be completely honest, yeah. yeah, it's a bit of I'm start, gonna start. Yeah, I'm gonna start charging commission. <laughs> I reckon like appearance fees for her because just wherever oh, we go, could. there's just this track of people who are just yeah. in love with Pippa, and yeah, she needs it at the moment. I need to remember how cute she is because she's very three. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Anyway, yeah. That whole other conversation. Yes. <laughs> and what about you, Emma? I don't know. I reckon it was probably maybe. What do you reckon? A year ago, I think you popped up on my socials, Pippa Tube. I reckon she had had just gotten her peg, maybe. I reckon it was a bit before because you were in hospital with Willow. Yeah. And you, it was before all that stuff where you just get kept getting the runaround. Yeah. With, willow's op for her pet yeah that's right i just remember um us talking about you know you've been down in hospital Mm. for so long and just we're having a really shit time yeah because hospital is just not fun for anyone yeah all kind of blurs into one now it's hard to even like remember when we all sort of like got together i know but you know it's that importance you guys know i'm all about the connection absolutely it's just it's just so important to have people who have um, walked somewhat similarly in your shoes and it just makes the biggest difference. So, yeah, I um, definitely have loved seeing you guys evolve and, you know, here we are talking on your podcast to hopefully an audience that can learn and we can help. You know, one of my favourite quotes is, um, your story can be someone else's survival guide. So I truly believe in sharing that as much as we can because, yeah, I just, yeah. Preach it, Hayley. It's just so important. Absolutely. Yeah, and then so it would have been, so we're obviously all from Adelaide. Well, you two are from more rural areas. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say country. I'll say We won't go into that Um, one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we've obviously all spent time at the Women's and Children's Hospital, um, yeah, very similar stories. And then, yeah, the one time we've all been together in the same room was, yeah, nearly a year ago, sadly, at Willow's funeral. So, yeah, that's a bit of our background and how we know each other. Like you said, Hayley, it's through this community of medical mamas and helping each other through. And, you know, we say it takes a village and you guys are my village and have been my village. So here we are. Hayley, could you please tell us um, or briefly share share Pippa's, um, Pippa's story and her diagnosis with our listeners? Sure. So um, unlike you two, I'm not a NICU mum, so I don't share that experience and just have such admiration for um, NICU mums. And I guess I really want to just preface it that I actually had beautiful births. Um, I had three beautiful Um, vaginal births which I am very very lucky for Um, but Pippa was my smallest so I've got three girls and Pippa just born was just different from from day one and I realized to a NICU community when I say that she was six pound 11 ounces that's like a whopper (laughs) Um, but my 
first baby, um, Maggie, she was nine pound two. Mm -hmm. So just in terms of just that context. So she was born really small, um, but I didn't think anything of it. And we tried to feed and all that sort of stuff. You know, the, those first few weeks of trying to establish feeding is never fun. But when it got to the point where I was feeding, I was breastfeeding and then pumping and then topping up and then um, pumping again halfway through mm. and all that sort of stuff, like it just really, this, this pattern just started to happen. And Pip was termed with the good old failure to thrive and at about three months old. And we'd had a couple of admissions to our local hospital in that time. And to be completely honest, I was just in denial. Mm. I was just like, she's not sick. What are you worried about? Mm. You know, she's small and she's not putting on weight, but she's not eating much because she's small. But I guess when I put her on the bottle um, and she was only taking 30 meals at a time and she'd started to develop this really horrific cough when I was feeding her and the paediatrician, I remember one di- the one of the times I went in and he just looked at me and he goes, okay, we've done it your way. Now it's time to do it my way and there is mm. something wrong with your baby. And mm. I was like, okay, all right, because you think of sick babies as sick. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You think of them as miserable yeah. and crying yeah. and, you know, uncomfortable and, you know, in life-threatening situations. And yeah, or acutely unwell. That yeah. just wasn't Pippa. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's been, um, I think that's a lot of a, the stigma and even now I find that, so Pip's now three, um, and people go, oh, she's doing so well, and I'm like, yes, she is, but mm. she still has a lot of challenges. Yeah. Um, but because it's that, and you would probably get it with Jack as well, With he looks yeah. so well, mm. but it's not easy still. Like They yeah. don't lead a li- an easy yeah. life. And I think that's one of the real misconceptions. I and think. it's that chronic, those chronic conditions. I'm going to be nodding along mm. and mm-hmm, the whole time to what you're saying, I mm-hmm. think, this episode, because it's, got, it's so relatable for me. And especially in those early days when Jack was undiagnosed and having to go to a doctor's surgery and ex- try and explain and almost convince them what was happening at home because yeah. you're looking at this baby that appears to be so healthy and in Jack's case he was even growing mm. well but I still had to try and like almost convince them and I'd have to video mm. his symptoms just so that they could yeah. see them so yeah I get it yeah mm. yeah yeah and so I was just lucky we had an amazing pediatrician um because I just put it down to low milk supply um, her failure to thrive but in the end what happened was we were um, admitted and she had some bloods taken and it on that admission we noticed that her her oxygen saturations were dropping and she was snoring um, and that she um, they were like look let's just do a genetic fish array and just see we're taking blood let's not put her through much of it mm-hmm. And after that admission, we put her on high-calorie formula and all that sort of stuff, and she just sort of bumbled along a little bit for a little bit then, and then she was just still losing weight. And we had an appointment scheduled for Adelaide to see, I can't even remember now, I think it was an ENT. And I got a phone call from her paediatrician, no, actually, from her from the genetics team in women's and kids and going, hey, oh, you remember you had some bloods done. So Pip's come back with a chromosome condition. Um, 
we can't really tell you much over the phone. You need to wait three months for um, a consult with the mm. genetics team. Um, but mm. if you're going to have a genetic deletion, this is the genetic deletion to have. And that was it. So that was all That's we got comforting. told. And I yeah. just went, oh, yeah, mm. yeah. And I just went, okay, you know, what and at that point you know I've got three kids under three a baby that's not feeding I was just in over my head um and so we took her down this was she was about three months old we took her down to a private ENT because we all know what the wait list is like at women's and kids for ENTs Mm -hmm. and um he just took one look at her this was at memorial and he was like this baby needs to be over at women's and kids and we were admitted and it basically started from there and we, it was found that she was aspirating. Um, she was not, you know, she had all these scopes. So she's got trachea all the malacias that you can have, she's basically got. And so we had the nasogastric tube put in, which still though, I remember being on good old Rose Ward and I know a lot of people here would know Rose Ward. Mm. Um, and I remember the first couple of days saying to the nurses, I was, I'm like, I'm really sorry for wasting your time. We don't need to be here. Like I, there's all these sick babies around and I still didn't see Pippa mm. as a sick baby. A um, sick, and yeah. then, yes, yeah, she wasn't. And then speech came in and put that jolly stethoscope on her and mm. went, this baby is aspirating. And there started mm. our tube feeding journey. Mm. <laughs> And she was diagnosed with sleep apnea as well, wasn't she? Yeah, so that came a month later. So we came home on the tube um, and all kneel by mouth and then she was still not putting on weight. She was still, even though she was getting all of this food. Um, so we were admitted back down to women's and kids and they did a BH probe and an overnight oximetry. Um, and that was when she was diagnosed with sleep apnea. So on the oximetry, for those of you who haven't had an oximetry, it's where they put um, a pulse, a special pulse oximeter, not the ones that are in the wards. They're really sensitive. And that you basically have a nurse sitting at the cot for twenty for over the night. I was going to say 24 hours, but throughout the night. And they basically chart just what's happening as they watch mm-hmm. that machine. And Pip was desatting to 75%, which is serious. Yeah. Um, and so they just came in the next morning and put oxygen on her. And that was the first time I actually lost it. Mm. So even though the nasogastric tube, even though everything, it didn't bother me. I don't know why. But when they put those oxygen prongs on, I just lost it. Just mm. absolutely mm. lost it. And, um, and you have to do oxygen training before you can go home, which I know, again, a lot of NICU mums would... Um, have had that and I was that person that sat in the training because this was pre-COVID obviously and I just sat in the corner crying when they brought out the canisters and I seen how big they were I was just how do I do this and have my at that time I had a three-year-old and a two-year-old I'm like how do we live our lives with this Mm. you know how do we um, function and have any normality Um, yeah it was a lot so yeah, but it was a huge turning point. And her first mm. night on oxygen, she put on 100 grams. Yeah. So yeah, wow. she was working so really hard. So she was depleting hard. so much energy just from working so hard to breathe. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. And then sort of from there on in, we were just in and out of hospital for tune-ups basically. And I think that's how you and I came to meet each other, Amy. And I really struggled with that because we just could not work out why she was just constantly having chronic wet cough. She was nil by mouth. She was all this other stuff. So we were flown Mm. to Melbourne for special testing of her lungs and all that sort of thing. And it's always just come back as um, just didn't know, don't know. And we Mm. still don't know what it is. Um, So, yeah, I think her official term is protracted bacterial bronchitis. That's all they can come up with because it doesn't fit anything else. That's the diagnosis we were given as well with Jack's chronic wet cough. So for people that don't know, a tune-up is basically um, where they admit um, the child to hospital for a two-week admission. They get a PICC line put in, so a long line put in. Um, They get IV antibiotics for the full 14 days. Um, They get chest physio in that time as well. And they generally do, you know, they might run some further tests to maybe determine what's causing um, the chronic wet cough, they do it like a bit of a washout of their lungs um, and, you know, test for any bacteria in their chest. Um, we, When Jack was admitted for a tune-up, he also had, you know, speech, obviously speech pathology input to determine, you know, how bad his aspiration was, like how bad his swallow was. Um, yeah, so that's when we talk about a tune-up, that's just what we're, what we're talking about. But um, yeah, in terms of the chronic wet cough, that's something we struggled with for Jack for a long time. And again, we didn't really get a proper answer. We we think that it was he was still aspirating, even though he was um, tube fed. We think that he was even aspirating on his reflux or even on his saliva. Um, but that's his his wet cough has certainly improved since being on long term antibiotics and um, on the right amount of thickness. So yeah, that's. That's, yeah. I guess, hey, that's how Haley and I have very similar, <laughs> similar stories yeah. in, that, in that regard. I know. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. And we found so Pippa had a nasogastric tube for two years, um, and her peg it will be twelve months in May that she had that inserted, and her cough has been so much better. So we think that it was mm. the nasogastric tube. Mm, um yeah. causing that little bit of aspiration and that sort of thing because um I'm gonna touch so many I'm in a lot of wood right now um <laughs> she it was it was a shit show her peg like she ended up in PICU and um we did her tonsils and adenoids at the same time and when she came out of the anesthetic her she didn't come out very well at all her two sides of the brain didn't connect um and it was really, really scary. It was awful. Um, and I've always had a bit of, I don't want to say PTSD, but a real trigger point for me is the recovery room in mm. women's and kids because she's had so many peak lines. Um, and I would always get called, you know, always called to go into recovery. I was never that mum that gets mm. to sit there and they wheel the baby into you because she's always just really struggles to come out of anesthetic and if I never have to go into that recovery room ever again I'll Mm. be a very very happy woman (laughs) yeah and that weight when they're in theatre like knowing knowing how bad they usually come out of it and what that night that first night is always so traumatic um I fear that weight it's agonizing agonizing yeah is that the word yeah (laughs) Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Because you become so desensitized. You know, I have to mm. watch myself because I was finding that mm. 
I was not having much sympathy for, you know, I'd have friends go, oh, you know, little Johnny, he's going to have grommets done or something like that. Yeah. And I would have to physically restrain myself and be like, that is a big deal for you guys, you know, but yeah. don't yeah. compare yeah. that to our life. Like, please don't. It's actually really mm. insulting. Um, but yeah. I've also learned that people come from a beautiful place and they just don't know what to say. Yeah, it's the other thing too. Just try and draw those similarities. Yeah. Yeah, we've discussed that a fair bit, haven't we, here, Emma? About, you know, we say it nearly every episode, actually, that's their hard. (laughs) We try not (laughs) to. Literally, their hard. But it's, you know, it is. It's it's so, yeah, it's so true. Desensitize is such a Mm. perfect word for it. Like, sometimes I find myself talking about, you know, some of the stuff Jack's been through with people and they're just looking at me like, wide-eyed and like what is she heck? just talking about yeah. this <laughs> yeah yeah in, in a general conversation yeah. but for me that that's just my life and it's just I mean it's not it, I'm not downplaying it or anything but yeah I think sometimes yeah. we just get so used to seeing and doing these things that um we forget that other people <laughs> haven't yeah yeah. Mm. yeah and I think it's also too when you live this life you're around a lot of other medical parents Mm. and I can tell you right now there are I have beautiful friends who have you know walked out of the hospital without their babies you know and Emma your experience with Willow and you know we've got a couple of other friends who's um they see palliative care that's their main Mm. um team who coordinate all their support and I think that really helps for perspective Mm. for me um because I'm like yeah nah like yep it's been tough but I'll Mm. take it I'll take it compared to what some other people have to live with day in day out that's for sure Mm. so Mm. yeah but now she's three um and the peg is I have a love hate with it um if I was given the choice to have it again I honestly don't know what I would do um yeah so yeah but I do love the fact that now people she's just Pippa you know what I mean Mm, it's not the first thing of what's wrong with her like with the stuff on her Mm. face and yeah all that sort of thing like it's just yeah she gets to be her and people um pay attention to her because of her you know and not because of any attachments and things like that so yeah 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 and like you said she is thriving now so you kind of you know similar to Jack again is the peg experience initially was so traumatic and I think it's the root of his medical trauma that we're still dealing with um and you know I'll question the night of his surgery I did the same thing I questioned what the hell we had done why did we do that he was doing so well you know well in that stage I thought he had he was coping so well with the nasogastric tube like it had become his normal and we'd we'd done this to him like it was our decision along with the doctors obviously but it was our decision to yep go ahead Mm. with the peg and I just regretted Mm. it instantly and now you know looking back same thing love-hate relationship um but yeah seeing how much he's you know thriving and how you know we've had so many more so much less admissions um and less sickness that you know you kind of go okay maybe (laughs) it was clearly the right thing for him and yeah but it's it's tricky yeah yeah I don't know it's like pits so we're now she's thriving from a physical point of view but now we're starting to get into the cognitive stuff of her deletion which is just a whole nother world and 
the medical trauma is such a huge thing with Pip. Now, she's got an obvious, she's got an intellectual delay. Like there's no, um, yeah. there's no denying that in terms of how severe it is, we don't know. But it's part mm-hmm. of just what makes her hilarious. Um, yeah. But it's also the thing on her need for control because of her medical trauma is just insane. You know, we are fighting her four times a day to get her bloody peg on you know and just all mm. those things like and, and it's awful and now she can talk you know no mummy yeah. no mummy I don't want my fluids no mummy it's, yeah. it's shit shit it's awful isn't it and they just <sighs> it's just awful. yeah and they just give you that look like you're just the worst person in the world and it makes you just feel so guilty for every decision mm. you've made when really you're just doing the yeah. best you can yeah. and you're just doing what they they need to have to survive. But like you said, she's three and she doesn't – and same with Jack, he doesn't yeah. understand either. So how do you explain that to a child? Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. And it's like she's spent the first half of her life being held down and overpowered by mm-hmm. adults that she trusts. Like if mm-hmm. you really want to get to the crux of medical trauma, you know, yeah. it's people who you trust are overpowering you constantly. Mm. So yeah. wherever she can get control at the moment. Um, but, yeah, we're having ripple effects on the girls as well. So, you know, trying to explain to them, like they don't understand why Pippa is always biting them and hitting them and, you know, pinching yeah. them. And, you know, the conversations have gone from mummy's away because Adelaide's four hours away. So we would go for two weeks at a time for an admission and not see the girls and all that sort of thing. Like it's just our heart is now just different, you um, know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's important too is the cognitive impacts as well and the emotional impacts. Yeah. It's not just all physical. I really want to touch on that actually now while we've brought it up, that sort of need for control that is attached to um, children like ours and those that have been through medical, you know, trauma um, my ROT explained it beautifully that, like you said, Jack's not been in control of much in his life at all and there's been so much that he's had completely zero control to the point that, you know, he's been scared and frightened that now it's not just on, you know, his needles and his peg that he feels a need for control. It's all aspects of his life. It is. It goes beyond those medical necessities and now he won't get in the car seat unless it's on you know his terms and if I tell him to hold my hand across the street he will do the opposite and he will run across the street in front of a car it's you know things that actually become you know it's it it completely I have to I say to people I have to take an extra schedule an extra 30 minutes into my trip just to go to school drop off because to get him back in the car if that's what I want to do he won't and it's it's to the point of kicking and screaming and having to, you know, again, hold him down in his car seat to put his buckles on or just letting him yep. do it in his own time. And it's, worth it, you know, to me, I just, it's not worth the fight. And that's what our OT has said. She said, you know, you obviously have to hold his hand and stop him from running in front of a car. That's obviously life-threatening. <laughs> but, you know, in as many instances as possible, give him that control because it is honestly not worth mm. the fight and the trauma for both of us. Like it, yeah. it actually has been really affecting my um, even my mental health and my I don't, sometimes I don't even want to leave the house because of the behaviours that come with that. But, um, yeah, I think yep. for, for other listeners that are going through similar, it is a lot about, you know, where you can let them have that control. Um, 
and you know give yourself a little bit of a break from from the fighting because <laughs> I know so many and people have talked about too. yeah yeah medical trauma and how yeah, it's and it's fight yeah sorry and like she she explained no it's great she explained it perfectly that it is them just they're not trying to be annoying or disruptive it's just them imparting some control in the aspects of their life that they can and you know when she put it like that it gave me a lot more patience with him <laughs> to be honest yeah, yeah. it's it's obviously mm. the age but it's the age like intensified <laughs> like yeah I know and that's because like some people and I realize people are trying to help me feel better when I'm having a whinge oh but three-year-olds are hard anyway toddlers mm. are hard and I'm like yes they are I'm like but this is different like you know yeah. she's not my first baby <laughs> yeah um you know and so we've had to get to the point now where we have toilet trained well we're toilet training we've taken the sides off her cot um she chooses what she has for dinner you know we put it mm. all in the middle and it's all about oh there's this fancy word that we're using with her feeding therapist like division of responsibility and all that sort of stuff just to try and give her some control in her life but, but it mm. is I find it almost harder I'm I can't believe I'm saying this but I find it harder than the physical stuff I really mm. do because mm. she's her own little being now um mm. and you know she will do anything like we've just had a pool put in and her thing is throwing whatever she can through the pool fence or over the pool fence into the pool mm. like the girls went to school last week with no school shoes they had to wear different school <laughs> shoes because her thing is grabbing their grabbing their shoes and throwing them in the pool like and Mm. I just those moments I'm just like I really I just need a minute I can't deal with you go go and throw whatever you want in because it's actually safer for you to continue doing what you're doing than me coming near you right now yeah (laughs) fun times yeah and after all of this that you've been through you recently had a um cancer scare so from what I remember our discussions you went and had a pap smear and they found um, some abnormal cells. So then you went for a procedure to have them removed. Is that right? And that's when they found the cancer. Talk us through all of that. Yeah. So I, this is one that I may cry because you know how you've been talking about where there's sort of a bit of a chance to breathe and process because there's always just one thing after another. And we're sort of getting to a point in our life where, you know, I said to my husband the other day, I went, oh like I'm processing things that I didn't realize needed to be processed but that survival mode is really starting to I guess lessen down but um I'd had abnormal pap smears for a couple of years to be honest um and I was always closely monitored and after Pippa I was having a lot of um pain I was I've had really terrible periods um and just so much pain which used to I could be able to put down to my cycle like I was ovulating and I was due for my period and all that sort of thing but it just something wasn't right so I went back to my gynae and he goes you were supposed to come back to me for another pap smear so we did that and then I'd had a couple of biopsies and we were just back and forward constantly so it was always just low grade changes in the end and so after Pippa's peg surgery which ended with another two-week hospital stay because of her getting pneumonia and her tonsils and her brain not talking to each other I went and had what's called a let's procedure where they just take off the front of your cervix 
which should get rid of all the abnormal cells because I was seeing my gynae every six months for a pap smear and I swear he was getting more action than my husband. Like we were on first name basis, don't you worry. And, and I had an infection. Like I just, like a week later, I was just like, I think I've got an infection and I'd gotten to know his staff really well and I just rang and said, I think I need to see him today. And they got me in and I had to take Pippa with me and so I'm sitting in there and he comes in and he goes, great, I've just got your pathology results so we won't have to do your post-op, um, your post-op appointment next week. And he's reading it and then next minute he punches the desk and he starts sifting through my notes going, no, 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 like what did I miss, what did I miss? And I said to him, um, hello, what's what's going on here? And he looked up and he had tears streaming down his face mm. and he goes, I'm so sorry, Hayley, he said you've got cancer. And I just went, okay, because <laughs> I've got Pip sitting on my lap at this instance. Um, and he, I just have such, hold him in such a high regard, but I really wish he had have had a chance to um, read that before seeing me so he could process mm. his mm. emotions because he was it really threw him do you know what I mean he just he was talking to himself and he's like yeah. oh well with a bit of chemo and oh a hysterectomy gosh. and this that and the other and I'm just like what are you talking about like I thought you meant I had cancer yeah. in that bit that you took out but now I'm fine next minute I'm lying on the bed with a speculum so that he can you know, be checking me while he's talking all this stuff because originally mm. I did go there for an infection. And I just, he's crying, I'm crying. It was just one of the most horrific experiences of my life. Um, mm. And so then we left and he said, I'll get you in. My friend's a really good surgeon. Went out to the car park. Someone had completely scraped all down the side of my car. Oh. just to you know like there was a scratch literally all the way down and oh I had God. to carry Pippa out screaming as well mm. so it was just yeah and everything sort of just went in a bit of slow motion so I spent a week not knowing I knew I had to have a hysterectomy um but I thought that I would just have a you know this guy who I was seeing was a robotic surgeon so I just assumed it would be a two-day thing in hospital and I'd be back and because we live rural as you put Amy <laughs> in the sticks um, I had my surgery booked in for the Saturday but I didn't see the oncologist until the Friday and because to save doing the two trips and um, so I spent that week just not knowing and I can honestly say that it was the most emotional first like it was just a week but I and I know that people listening to this who have had a cancer scare just understand what I'm talking about because you just don't know you're just told that you've got cancer and mm. if you've watched movies and all this sort of thing it, you just don't know so I just spent every night sitting in the girls rooms um watching them sleep and crying and just going oh, people won't remember me, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. who's going to, um, who's going who's gonna to fight for her, you know, and, and that sort of stuff because, yeah. And I was like, oh, Maggie, Maggie will know me. She was six when it happened. Um, 
and yeah, that was literally just how I spent, I, that was just how I spent that week. Um, and so went and seen the oncologist and he's like, sorry, no robotic surgery here um, with cancer. They can't. So I had to be cut from hip to hip and I had a radical total hysterectomy the following day. Oh, and he also said at that point that I'd probably need 10 weeks of chemo and radiotherapy because of the type of cancer that it was. So, yeah, that was that. <laughs> what a whirlwind. I just want to lean through the camera and give you a big I cuddle. Know. Yeah. I'm struggling to even think what to, what, how to follow that. Yeah. I remember actually, Hayley, that you messaged me. I did. Um, I beside myself. actually messaged me to ask about. Yeah, 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 you messaged me to ask for my advice on Flinders Private Hospital and I was like, um, tell me what mm. is going on. There was no, like, yeah. you know, clue. And then yes. and I just I actually remember you saying um, I'm just numb but then I think of my girls and I can't go there and I just remember, like, that's yeah, which is exactly where you, what yeah. brought you to tears now, like that thought of, yeah, you're leaving your girls. I Yeah. 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 Like I just, and we're all told that life is short, you know what I mean? And we all, I sort of put myself, I'm genuinely a pretty positive person and would have said prior to the cancer diagnosis that I was, you know, living life to the full. Oh my God, I so wasn't. Like it was just Mm. this massive slap in the face and it put everything in perspective because as we also know, I was, um, how we've been talking, I had a couple of businesses that had stemmed from um, having Pippa and having a medical medically complex child and I'm a counsellor by trade and I was just so desperate to help women who had been in similar situations. But then when that happened, I went, why am I working so much? Like my girls are so young and yes, I want to do this, but it just put everything in perspective. And so in the end, you know, that sort of led to me closing, um, closing the businesses and we just gotten a massive contract as well. Um, But it just put everything in perspective. And Mm. as much as I want to work as a counsellor and work with women and all this sort of thing, like your babies are only young once and we get told Mm. that all the time, but, and to, yeah, when your mortality is questioned, it just puts something so different. It's just so different, yeah. And so mm-hmm. had the surgery. So went into surgery thinking that um, – so the plan was that I would have a six-week recovery from the surgery and then I would start radiotherapy um, after that. And so we spent a week going, how the hell do we do this? because Pip had sort of only just recently had her peg off. No one knew how to do it, um, how to feed mm-hmm. her. Um, and we, I had to live in Adelaide for 10 weeks and, you know, the logistics of that. And so we had no core funding in our NDIS plan for Pip or anything like that. And so this was when we had engaged Total Support Services, shameless plug, they are the best. <laughs> They're going to be so inundated after this because I cannot talk highly enough for them. If it hadn't have been for them, I honestly don't know where my mental health would have ended up because we approached NDIS for some support for Pippa and they just told us that 
um, it wasn't their issue and that it was a child protection issue, me not being able to care for Pip. Um, And so we were able to then get, so Total Support Services found us money through um, Carers SA. And um, so to any parents out there who need some emergency carers, there's um, like five days worth of funding. And then most carers are eligible for $3,000 a year through Carers SA um, to help like with in-home support. And so that was what got us through until um, we could get a plan review done with NDIS. But yeah, we would never have been able to do it without Total Support Services. So apart from Total Support Services, who sound amazing and maybe I need to look them up, um, do you have any other sort of advice for others in similar situations who might be unwell while caring for an unwell child um, themselves or any other support services that you lent on? And I mean, I'm talking both from your professional experience as a counsellor and your personal experience. What sort of advice would you offer to other parents who are um, in your situation? I think we, as particularly medical mums, we just get used to getting shit done and mm. we don't ask. We're not very good at asking for help and we have to go into appointments ready to fight constantly and all that sort of thing. We're just we're just not good at asking for help when it comes to us. And what I also learnt is you don't know what you don't know and so I would contact um you know with Pippa being under seven we had to only deal with kudos and I would call them and go well can we do this and can we do that and they're going no 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 and then Mm. I engaged total support services and they were like you absolutely can and here's a heap of options and just having someone who understands the system was just amazing and I was a big believer in oh you know self-managed plans that's the way to go I don't need support coordination um you absolutely do and there is help out there and if you're told no try again go somewhere else um because they've changed my life yeah and that's the thing with um I've found especially as a parent of a medically complex child is you don't you literally don't know about things until someone else tells you and they don't because they don't advertise it they don't want you to know um well some of them do the ones that actually want to help but you know NDIS aren't going to go oh here these people are great or here go to these people they're going to offer you support in that area it's literally and there's no you know you can google it as much as you want but there is nothing same so carers SA I didn't hear about them until someone told me um and we we also, you know, used their services and we had a cleaner, a, f- a cleaner that was funded for six weeks or well, six fortnights mm-hmm. to come in. And we also had someone come in and do um, meal prep for us for six weeks. So we'd come in yep. and literally Amazing. we'd buy the groceries and they would cook um, all the all the meals for us for that week. So until you are given the information, you literally don't know, like you said, there's just, yeah. So I think that's, again, yeah. why this... you know this community is so important yeah and I've always been of the um sort of I've I've never received a Centrelink payment for instance um I I had no idea because I've always been in such a fortunate financial position and so we were always like well we don't need to look for things because we can pay but for the first time in our lives we were going well I'm going to be off work for six months 
you know, mm. we have mortgages. We have to somehow find a way to pay to be in Adelaide because it's not like, you know, treatment was going to happen at home, you know, and, and we needed accommodation mm. and meals and and it was also down to, uh, it was coming down to the point of I just was going to have to be by myself and I didn't want to be by myself. I wanted to have Dave with me or my mum, but my mum was like the only other person that could have Pippa and the girls and, oh, it was just, it was just awful. Like it really was because um, then to top it all off after seven I was back home within 10 days I had a seven centimetre abscess in my pelvic cavity just to make things even Mm. better so I was back in hospital again for another week um Mm. and I just it was I really found out who my friends were like I really did and I was so lucky to have people filling our freezer and looking after Dave and the girls and all that sort of stuff but it was just one of the most hardest times because physically I'd never been compromised physically ever Mm, it was awful yeah yeah Yeah. and then you know having your ovaries taken out and going starting surgical menopause that could be a podcast in itself (laughs) yeah and it's like people talk a lot about the financial burden but you've also got to like in, in I mean in reaching out for support but you've also got to look after your own mental health and that's something that even if you have Mm. the money to invest in your own cleaner and invest in you know a nanny or a you know in-home support off your own back it's it no you're allowed Mm. to use those supports because you are you're you're a care you're not you're not just mum you are also a carer and carer burnout is real and you need to look after you just as much as you need support in looking after your child and especially yeah. in your case Haley, where you like you said for the first time you were you know you were the one that was unwell and you were physically unable to do those things for Pippa so yeah I think sometimes we go oh you know I won't use that support someone else might need it more but I don't think I think it's important that we look after yeah. ourselves and I really lead by example now with that yeah yeah and separating separating being a mum from being a carer because you you are essentially yeah. doing both roles and that's a lot, a lot to take on. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're unwell. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and we had only come into touch with Total Support Services just before my diagnosis because I actually put my hand up and said, I can't do this anymore. I am exhausted because Pippa, mm. part of her deletion is she doesn't sleep. Um, and so we, you know, most of the time we all know what sleep deprivation is. Um, mm-hmm. And, again, those well-meaning comments of, oh, she'll grow out of it, she won't. It's like, no, she won't. You know, like, mm-hmm. and I was yeah. grieving to a point, like Dave and I were just exhausted. So this was another reason we sort of tried to engage with Total Support Services and they were really, really good. Yeah, they really yeah. helped us. Good. Um, so one of the main reasons, obviously we, we love you, Haley, and we would have had you on for a chat anyway, but one of the main reasons that we've got you on as a guest today is to um, to discuss um, the Costco campaign that is being run in March for, well, actually March the 14th to April the 10th are the dates, um, raising money for Women's and Children's Hospital Foundation. Hayley, I will let you talk about this and let our listeners know what this is about and how they can support this amazing cause. 
Yes, so this amazing campaign came to my attention when the beautiful um, Michaela from the Women's and Children's Foundation reached out and asked if um, they could use Pippa as a bit of a um, face for this campaign and I obviously said yes because I believe <laughs> in giving back in whatever way we possibly can because the Women's and Children's Foundation has helped us so much. So Costco have actually been doing this for about seven years and supporting the Women's and Children's Foundation and they've donated over $200,000 in that time. So on Thursday the 24th of March and Thursday the 7th of April from 3pm to 8pm the community are actually invited to shop at Costco as part of the Women's and Children's Hospital Foundation VIP shopping night and you don't have to have a Costco membership. So if you're a country bumpkin like me and it's not worth buying a Costco membership you can <laughs> still go in and for a $5 donation to the Women's and Children's Foundation have a shopping night at Costco. There will be a free raffle that you can enter and there's also some $2 tokens that you can write your name on and visually show your support for kids like Pippa and Jack and everyone and all of your beautiful community who's listening here. For the month, Costco are aiming to raise $30,000 through this and it goes towards things like the Women's and Children's Foundation Arts in Health Program and the Home Equipment Centre, which all know the amazingness of the Home Equipment Centre. And for those of you who don't know, that's where um, we get all the tubes for the kids' feedings and oxygen and syringes and all those sorts of things. They're just a wonderful, wonderful service. So I'm pretty excited to be sharing Pippa's cuteness with the world for the month. And I really hope that as many of your listeners who are South Australian based can get their butts into Costco for the um, duration of the month and just support a really wonderful cause. Absolutely. It's obviously a cause very close to each of our hearts. Um, we've all spent countless amount of time at the hospital and the foundation I remember multiple times during our stays um we've been given gifts and little um you know little pieces of support from the foundation um so yeah always happy to give back and support where we can just to clarify the campaign is running from the dates March the 14th to April the 10th is that right but then there's two yes. special days um where people can shop instead of paying for membership or is that the whole month so yes there's two special days that they can shop instead of paying for membership and that's just the five dollar donation but for the entire yep. month people shopping at costco can show their support and provide donations and things like and that donate. to the foundation yep. yeah Lovely. and i didn't realize but it's the foundation who um they do a lot with the play therapists Yes. And yeah. I don't know yeah. about you, Amy, but a good play therapist mm. is the difference between a shitty day in hospital and a bearable day in hospital. Yeah, there were so many things that the play therapist brought in and they had the little, you know, donated by the foundation. Um, even as I think even those teddy bears, like the, the super tea stuff, mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is through the support of the foundation. And the Women's and Children's Foundation have also set up some beautiful um, beach houses and retreats for families of palliative care patients where they can go and spend time they do such brilliant work we've actually supported them um, a couple times for fundraisers the ladies there are yeah 
absolute gems and oh, they're um, just amazing we really got they? into the challenge 21 this year um and yeah. that was just a beautiful thing so I'm really looking forward to doing that again this year so I think yeah. some people can get a little bit scared on when you donate to places where does it go but you know yeah. we're living breathing examples of how these donations have you know filtered through to medically complex families and I will yeah. be forever in their debt. Yeah, and like you said, it can, that literally can be the one little bit of brightness that gets you through the day when you're in hospital. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, yeah, those little, the little things make all the difference. So, yeah, obviously very specific to our Adelaide listeners, but I know there's a lot of you um, and a lot of you that have also spent time at the hospital. So get into Costco and show your support um, and tell everyone else about it if you can and make sure you keep 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 an eye out for Pippa and her gorgeous little face on, as the face of the campaign I can't wait to see yes we'll tag her everywhere like I said it's yeah. gonna be worth something she's bloody cute she's a monster <laughs> absolutely and obviously once um once that all comes out um which I'm guessing it'll be soon because when this episode goes yeah. live the campaign will be will be running so um yes. as soon as we get some of see some of Pippa's face somewhere we'll be sharing it to our feed or to our story yeah. so keep an eye out for gorgeous Pippa yeah. there um and obviously you know this is part of the why of what we do what we do what we're doing and um and that is like you said Hayley giving back and showing support to those that have helped us through through some of our darkest days so yeah I'm sure you can all understand that as well We'll give you more information on the campaign in um, some posts after or the post after this episode goes live and um, just to confirm everything. But if you need any more information, send me a message. We'll also tag Hayley in the post, so feel free to ask her any questions if you need. Um, but otherwise, we are we might wrap it up there. Hayley, thank you for coming along and chatting with us. You've been an absolute gem. You've got such a huge wealth of knowledge and I love that you're just so down to earth and this chat has really filled my cup tonight and I know that um so many people listening will have been nodding along like I did so relatable and um yeah you're a you're an absolute gem and I think that if one day you get back into supporting mamas in this space that um you'll do it beautifully and yeah you've got a lot to offer so enjoy your time your time though and looking after you yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And just in terms of just closing out is just please ask for help if you need because there is just yeah. so much out there and you just don't know what you don't know. That's right. And even if it is reaching out to people like us or to the community because you need you need people in your corner who understand and who you can talk to that get it and um, can talk unfiltered without having people staring back at you blank faced yeah. like, what are you talking yeah. to me about this for? <laughs> so, all right, guys, thanks, thanks for listening. Guys. Make sure you go over to your um, podcast platforms and give us a like, give us five stars, subscribe, all of that fun stuff. And if you feel like it, we would love if you could leave us a review or send us a message in our inbox. Let us know what you want to hear about and we will speak to you again next week. Bye, guys. Bye.